It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and it is good that we have the opportunity to open up God's Word around this issue of prayer. So if you would take your Bibles and open them to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Mike asked me to teach on a couple of subject matters. Why don't we pray more often than we do, and then how might we pray? I'm not certain I feel comfortable to say that I will teach on that, but I'm going to open up God's Word, and I'm going to uh, expose us to what God says about, uh, about prayer. So there'll be lots of Scripture. Uh, have a pen and pencil ready. You will um, want to certainly jot down a number of verses that uh, God has uh, for us to hear this morning. Talking with God, this prayer series. Pastor, we, Pastor Mike last week talked about the fact that uh, talking with God is both a conversation with God and an encounter with God. And he gave us seven reasons that we would consider doing that, praying to God. Number one, Jesus prayed. Secondarily, that we see prayer throughout the Old and the New Testament. Jesus cultivates or God cultivates a relationship with us in prayer. God answers prayer. We see prayer more clearly when we, uh, we see God more clearly when we pray. We see ourselves more clearly. Prayer changes things. Mostly it changes us and ultimately and sometimes prayer is our only option, right? So this week, as we unfold things, I know that inside gatherings that are this big, that there is inevitably a number of things that are true. There are people who are out of work. There are people who are underemployed. There are people who are upside down with a boss or a co-worker. There are people who know uh, family groups in other parts of the world who have experienced heartache, pain, suffering beyond anything that we could hope uh, for resurrection or health. Uh, there's, there's, there's financial chaos. There's relational chaos. There's marital chaos. There's fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what the doctor's going to say on May 5th of this next year. We have so much that is of concern to us, and yet the reality is oftentimes prayer is our last resort. So why is that? Why is it that, that prayer... Uh, should be uh, something that we dwell in more. I think that the reason is Satan, our chief enemy, does not want us to pray, and he will do whatever he can to keep us from prayer. Coming to church, spending time in small group fellowship, serving in any number of ways, all good choices, but the truth is, that quiet time with God, that quiet time, that individual time. There's a war that rages for our intimacy with God, for our one-on-one time with God. Here's what the Bible says. I, I find myself, at least, very easily distracted. I do any number of other things. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You're just busy, 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 busy. We wouldn't sit before the throne room of God. Why don't we pray more? Sometimes God just seems distant. Seems out there. He cares collectively for us, I believe that, but, but does he care for me? Here's what the Bible says. Pastor uh, Brad prayed this just a few moments ago in James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, 
and he will draw near to you. We lack faith. I'm going to read a quick story in uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Let's see. um, Starting with verse 17. Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and he said to them, and and it did not come out. And he said to them, O faithless generation. Are we a faithless generation? Do we put our efforts into the stuff of this world and not have faith? O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me, Jesus said to the man. Bring your son to me. They brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed in the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening? And he said, From childhood. So can you imagine the dad just worn down, wanting so much the very best for his child, and nothing ever. Do you, do you want so much for your child? Do you want so much for a relationship that, that is not? And do you get worn down in your prayer life? Do you, get, do you just do you say, I, I'm just so fatigued. I, I, I cease coming to God because I'm not sure that he hears me. How long has this been happening from childhood? And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. And Jesus says, if you can... All things are possible for those who believe. Here's the key that I want us to take away. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. That's true in our lives. So often we want to believe, and yet there's this unbelief when God feels distant or when we lack faith. Sometimes it's just a matter that we lack discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. The discipline of doing push-ups, the discipline of eating right, the discipline of saving money. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Don't we want that? Don't we want righteousness and peace? Don't we want to experience that in our lives? Don't we want, don't we want a prayer life that is so, sign, so significant that we can look back and we can say, oh yeah, we've got a harvest of righteousness and peace. I recognize that prayers go unanswered. I, pray, I recognize that there's some discouragement. We've lost in our, in our congregation, we've lost some dear, dear friends in recent weeks that we don't understand, right? We don't understand. Some of our prayers not being answered. Sometimes we have confused priorities. We we think that a clean car or a clean house or time with our friends or family, shopping, anything that busies us is better. Here's, Here's maybe the most haunting scripture that I have read possibly in my entire life. It comes out of Jeremiah chapter... Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5. The interpretation that I read says this. You pursued worthless idols and you became worthless 
yourself. God, have mercy on us. God, please let not our lives be chasing the stuff of this world in such a way that we would grieve you, that our lives would be chalked up just as dust in the wind. Would you approach, different, would you approach prayer differently if it was like, oh, I have an appointment, I, I have a meeting, I'm, I'm meeting with the President of the United States, I'm going to the Oval Office. We have that opportunity. We have that opportunity. But my sense is that for most of us, this is going to push, this is going to sound a little, I seek your forgiveness on the front end. My sense is we are much more illiterate about the truth of God's Word, about what His Scripture says, than we ought to be. We're lazy. We have not studied God's Word. Because if we studied God's Word, we would camp on the truths of God's Word. Here's what he says in Jeremiah 33. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. We need need to do the calling. He says in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, If anyone's in trouble, he should pray. If anyone's happy, let him sing songs of praise. If anyone's sick, he should call upon the elders of the church. Do you know that you, as a member of this church, as a visitor of this, you can call upon the elders of this church to come and to pray, whether it's sickness, whether it's physical sickness, whether there's a psychological, psychological Ill- illness, whether there's just chaos in your life and you just need the elders to come alongside of you. Call the elders to pray. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Pray for each other. God, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. The prayers of a righteous man, the prayers of a righteous woman is powerful and effective. goes on to say, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. <laughs> prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. I have a friend, and uh, I was, we were talking about prayer about oh, a week and a half ago or so, and he said, yeah, he says, when I pray, he says, I kind of get like a one in ten hit ratio or so. One of, one of my prayers works out every ten times I pray, and the rest of them, I'm sure God hears them, but, uh, but he says, my wife, he says, like, she's ten for ten all the time. And I said, oh, really, how does that work out? How, do, how does that happen? He says, well, he says, just recently, she's talking to this woman on the phone about this woman's mother. And this woman's mother is starting a business, a web-based uh, uh, software business of some sort. And, and my friend Martin, his wife Helen, you, some of you know Helen, prays for this business, that God would allow this business to take off. Within just a number of days, the person who was being prayed for calls or notifies Helen and says, please stop praying. I can't handle this business. There's too much business. God is just providing unbelievable amounts of business. I was talking to Helen about this last night, and uh, she says, uh, she says, yeah, now the person's calling and asking for prayer that I could expand my abilities to take on more business. So, you know, it's an amazing thing. Oftentimes, I'm the one in ten. I don't feel like God hears them all the time. Sometimes we, you know, we find that God answers everything. In either case, God's Word says this. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Let us be found praying. Let us be found praying consistently. Let us be found praying with fervency. Let us not be worn down or duped into thinking that it does not matter. 1 John 5 says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that anything we ask according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. The one who created the ear is not deaf. He hears us. There's an evangelist um, who goes to Christ Church. He, he disguises himself as a very successful orthodontist in, in Vernon Hills. His name is Paul Berkey, but he's really an evangelist. God created him to be an evangelist. And one day he was at Lake Michigan, and, uh, and he, was, he was thinking about the fact that God says that he will give us the desires of our heart and that God desires that all men would be saved. And he's telling me this story. He says, so I'm thinking to myself, God, you desire that all men would be saved. While I'm here, I just pray. He's at Lake Michigan. He's bowing his head in prayer. He says, God, would you bring somebody along that I could share the gospel with? And while he's praying, a guy walks up to him and says, what are you doing? It's as if he's sleeping at the beach. (laughs) And he says, well, he says, actually, I'm just praying. I was just praying that God would bring somebody that I could share, ultimately, the good news of Jesus with. The Bible says this in Isaiah sixty four twenty: Before they call, I will answer. While they, were, while they are still here, excuse me, I'm going to say it again. Isaiah sixty four twenty four: Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Paul's praying... He doesn't even come out of his prayer. God delivers somebody for him. It's not that way all the time. I'm not foolish about that. But Dagnabbit, I wonder if we ought to not ask more often than we do. Are you anxious about things? Here's what God's Word says about anxiousness. You know this verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious about nothing. So you got relational issues, be anxious about nothing. You got kid issues, be anxious about nothing. You got financial issues, they all cause anxiety. I'm not foolish about that, but trust God who says in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean he's going to change our circumstances overnight. We had that circumstance uh, for a number of years. We had a circumstance in our lives where we didn't own a home and then and, and I was anxious about the fact that the reality is our home the home prices were escalating, and I'm missing out on all the equity that, that could, could happen. And, uh, and largely, when it came time for us to get into a home, I'm a big guy, and so I wanted a bigger home. Maybe I wanted a bigger home for the wrong reasons. I don't know. But I wanted a bigger home, and Christy didn't want a bigger home. She probably didn't want a bigger home with, with the bigger mortgage. So we went back and forth, back and forth. We started to pray about it, and ultimately... We, uh, we came to the place where we just decided we just can't be homeowners right now because we don't sense that, uh, that there's any peace about, around this issue in our lives. One day, 
my kids, um, uh, we homeschooled our kids, and so uh, for whatever reason, um, our kids got caught up in a rock-throwing event with some other kids, or at least that's what the story was that I heard on a Friday night. And so on a Saturday morning, I go into uh, this meeting with three other dads whose kids were in this rock-throwing event. And, and I, as this morning kind of unfolds, I'm, I'm growing more and more agitated, finding out that my kids had nothing to do with it. They were just watching these other kids throw rocks at one another. And I, I'm like, what am I even here for? What am I here for early in this morning? I'm frustrated on any number of fronts. I leave the, the place where this rock-throwing summit was happening with these dads, and, uh, and I'm driving down the road, and I don't know if this has ever happened before in my life, but I hear this kind of voice in my head that just says, turn around and go back in that neighborhood. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I turn around and I go back in this neighborhood. And uh, we had been praying, God, would you give us a house close to our church? God, would you give us a house with a fence because we got a dog? God, would you give us a house with four bedrooms up? That's what we were praying. House with a fence, house with a dog, or house, house uh, close to the church and house with four bedrooms up. If, if you'd be kind enough to do that, God. Drive, I'm leaving this rock summit turn around. God tells me to turn around. I drive into this neighborhood. There's this house for sale. It's way more money than we could ever think to uh, afford. And, uh, and, I, and it had a pool. And it had a pool in the backyard, too. And I'm like, well, that wasn't in the deal, God, but uh, be, that was, uh, that's fine. We got teenage kids. So, so uh, we make an offer on the house, and we say, take it or leave it. You know, you can have it if you want it, for, but for this price. They take it. Staggering to us, they take it. I have no idea to this day why that rock-throwing event happened, but I do know this, that the faithful prayers of righteous people, God ultimately put us in a house that was the right house for that season in our life. So why am I telling you that story? I don't know. So, (laughs) (laughs) be anxious for nothing. In the right time, God will take care of things. If you're broken, here's what King David says in Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are attentive to their cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You are brokenhearted, or you know someone who's brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Prayer sometimes seems to go unanswered. Uh, There's silence you know, or no, it's a common answer. Sometimes we're asking for unreasonable things, like the, the kid, uh, David was telling the story earlier, like the kid that turns in his, uh, his geography exam and he's praying to God, dear God, dear God, dear God, please let Paris be the capital of Turkey. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work out that way, right? You know, that's an unreasonable request, right? You know, sometimes my sin hinders me and I don't get an answer because my sin has messed me up. Or sometimes, it's la- as uh, Pastor Mike spoke about last week, sometimes it's that God wants to change us. And so, so, so our prayers don't get answered like, quite like we want. I know this, that I've watched uh, a number of friends walk through really hard times And I know that they go to another level in prayer. And I know that they go to another level of claiming. I, I wonder if at some level um, that, uh, that the grace of God is that, uh, that he puts us into the valley sometimes. 
helps me to hold God in the context that this is, this is such a minimalist view. I don't believe this, but just so I can grasp it, it helps me hold God in the context of, of a loving parent. And I, as a loving parent, Christy as loving parents, we love our kids individually and we love them collectively. We desire to provide for them, to bless them. And nothing delights us more than a relationship with them. And nothing, nothing, nothing is richer for us, nothing whatsoever than when they seek us out and they, and they say, hey, I've got some good news I want to share with you. Or, hey, I'm seeking some counsel. Would you, I'm, I'm wondering about something. Could you give me some insight? Or possibly when they say, I need to seek your forgiveness. I've defied you. I've done something wrong. Please forgive me. I had my son, Jonathan, call me. Um, he said, hey, he says, uh, I want to apologize. I told you that I thought you worked too much. Now that I'm an adult, now that I have the pressures of work, he says, I get it. I loved that. Sometimes with my children, I need to say no. Sometimes with my kids, I need to say, not right now. Sometimes with my kids, I can say yes. But all the time, all the time, God has our best interest in mind. All the time I have my children's best interest in mind, right? All the time. They, can th- they could figure things out on their own. I know my kids could figure things out on their own. But if they tap into my experience, if they tap into my relationships, if they tap into the people that I know, what I can do for them, what we can do th- for them, we can give them infinitely more than they could hope for or imagine, right? We just have more experience. We just have more to offer, our son, we have three kids, Jonathan, Joel, and Hannah. Jonathan's now 24, and uh, we graduated from uh, college three years ago and uh, got a job right away, and uh, we're very thankful for that, and got married right away. He'd loved a girl for a long time, and they got married, and we were, could not be happier for him and for them on any number of fronts. But uh, they got married, and they took a very, relatively speaking, modest honeymoon, and I was so respectful of them. They didn't spend money they didn't have. They just, they took a honeymoon that college-age kids should have taken, and, and I, I so respected that. And so I was all that much more excited for them when uh, at the, around the first anniversary that they were going to go and uh, have this opportunity to get away for three or four days at a really a special place. And I was just so happy for them. And uh, just uh, about the week before the opportunity for them to leave uh, came about, there was some turmoil in his work, turmoil that caused him to get shaken up enough that he thought, I wonder if I'm going to have a job when I come back. And so they decided not to take that kind of one-year special anniversary, uh, to save their money. And I so respected and so honored what they chose to do. I, I think they made a wise decision. I was so much more, we were so much more, Christy and I were so much more excited for them uh, the next year, right around their second year anniversary. I don't know if it was exactly then, but we were so excited for them in that they were going to tie a business trip of his out to California into kind of their second honeymoon opportunity and so they'd have the expense of her flight and and meals but other than that they were going to get to spend some time in the sun so we're so excited for them and equally so grieved when the week before the event the business trip got canceled and although they had taken vacation time and they could have gone they felt like you know we just probably shouldn't spend 
that extra money, that hotel money and, and everything else. So they, so they didn't go. I'm so proud of the decision that they made, even in light of the fact that it cost them eating an airfare of hers. I was so proud of their decision on the one hand, and yet I was so grieved on the other hand because had he and I been in conversation, had we been in conversation as a family about that, rather than him just making the decision on his own, although we're not wealthy, we have way more resources than they did, and, and I think that I would have said to my son, Jonathan, um, let me talk with your mom, but don't cancel that trip. Let us help you go on that trip. But he didn't ask. And so there was no ability for me to help him on that particular trip. I so wish that he would have asked. I wasn't mad, but I just think he missed out. And I wonder sometimes if that's how it is in my relationship with God. Let's open to Luke chapter 11, the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Think about this for a second. His disciples are saying to him, teach us to pray. Now, these are men who know about prayer. They were raised with prayer, and yet they saw a marking in his life that was so significantly different about his prayer life. It was so supernaturally connected to God. There was power and there was poise. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Think about this for just a minute. Forever, people had called God judge. Creator, Yahweh. But never had there been the intimacy of the Father. Jesus absolutely changed everything. He says, call him Father. Do not lose this. Jesus is taking us by the hand allowing us to walk through the outer courts into the inner sanctuary, into the holy of holies, right up to the throne room of God, and to say, Dad, Abba, Father, teach us to pray. You have a loving Father. Because of Jesus, we we are God's children. We've been bought with a price. We're justified. We're adopted. We're redeemed as a forgiven. We're complete. We're free from condemnation. We're citizens of heaven. When God could do no better, He sent Jesus and He created us that we might have a right and reconcile. There are people here this morning who do not yet have a right and reconciled relationship with God. I think possibly the greatest gift of prayer is that we have that opportunity to be reconciled with God, to confess that we need God. And you know who you are. You know the, the, the tension in your life, the the. the, the the, the, the wrestling in your life that you ultimately just need to lay it down and just say, yes, Lord, forgive me. 
We'll come back to that. He says this, Father, hallowed be your name. I'm not foolish. I recognize that for some that that's problematic. I recognize that there's been some abuse. I recognize that not all father relationships here on earth. But I want to push you to not stay stuck based on that which has been. I want to urge you to come alongside someone else, to allow somebody else to walk with you through the hard times to get to the place where you would understand the perfect Father, the heavenly Father, the Father that says we are royalty, that our sin slates can be wiped clean, that He will be a shepherd for us, that He is a God through the Holy Spirit that says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. It's the very God that wants to meet us today, the very God that says in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? I know for some of us, we were raised with the King James Version of the Bible that says, we don't see it in our text today, but uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We don't see which art in heaven here, but I think it's important to know. We need to be heavenly minded. We need to think that we live both here and we are going to live ultimately uh, into eternity. Recognizing that God is on the throne, that ought to change everything for us. That ought to change everything about our orientation whatsoever Jesus says this, Father, hallowed be your name. It's not that his name is holy, set apart. It's that he is holy and set apart. Hallowed be your name. It's a request. Lord, glorify yourself. He does it in the heavens. He glorifies himself. Lord, glorify yourself through me. Lord, glorify yourself through us. So the key concept right out of the chute is that we start our prayer. Father, glorify yourself. Start our prayers focusing on God, on his character, not on us, our needs, and our wants. He says, your kingdom come. Jesus is ushered in the kingdom. The kingdom was both now here and now and still to come. So how does that work? How does that work that the kingdom is both here and now and here to come? And what do we pray along those lines? Here's, here's my sense of what God's Word says. God's Word says, love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Keep the commandments. Be like Jesus. Care for the poor. Consider your resources not your own, but that you are a steward. Love your enemies. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. Let me Love with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me love my neighbor as I love myself. Let me love those who persecute me, God. Have mercy that that would be the case. Give us this day. Give us each day our daily bread. So much we want tomorrow's bread. So much we want all of the rest of life's bread, right? Is there a reason that Jesus, the bread of life, God, the good giver of all things, Philippians 4.19 says it this way, And my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in heaven. Why not tomorrow's bread? Why does he say just give us our daily bread? My sense is, at least for me, I think he wants a daily submission for me. He wants me to surrender daily. Forgive us our sin as we forgive everyone who's indebted. The, the word of God says in 1 John 1.9, If you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there sin that you're not giving up in your life? Is there sin that you hold on to? Is there anger, bitterness, resentment, hostility? Is there some brokenness? Is there some relationship? Forgive us our sin as we have forgiven. Is there someone that you need to forgive? They might not even know it. (laughs) What would happen if, in fact, we said, God, forgive us our sin? What would happen if we... You know, I, I said we've, we've experienced some, some people who have uh, we've lost some loved ones in, 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 in recent weeks. As I've watched their lives unfold, I have watched some unbelievable grace expansion. For those whose lives have been uh, tormented or for those whose lives have been um, taken, they get real clear about things real quick. And they no longer hold bitternesses or grudges or... God, help us to accept forgiveness and to grant forgiveness. And help us to repent, God. Lead us not into temptation. It was said about Martin Luther, he said that when he went to bed, he asked God to forgive him for his failures. When he went to bed, Martin Luther asked God to forgive him for his failures. And the first thing when he woke up in the morning, he said, God, keep me from temptation. Because I know the schemes of the evil one are going to try to just absolutely nail me. Psalm 34 says this way, When the righteous cry out and the Lord hears, He delivers them from trouble. Men and women of God, we have both scriptural verses regularly, Old Testament, New Testament. We have a great example from Jesus Christ Himself. Prayer is a gift, but like any gift, we need to open it up. We need to take advantage of it. For me... I find great value in writing my prayers down. It's the only way I can kind of track them. And it's amazing how many of them ultimately get answered. Maybe not on my time frame, but it's staggering. For me, I find that I pray better when I pray with somebody else. I pray much more concertedly when I pray with others. So I I have a couple of times during the week that I have people that I pray with. It, It helps stimulate my prayer life. You know, I pray courageously asking God for bold things, saying, God, if you don't show up, this thing's not going to work. Please have mercy. And as I said earlier, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't say, and the most significant prayer of all, God, I need you. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for the kindness of sending Jesus into this world, that all of this could be true, that we can have a relationship, a right and reconciled relationship with you, that we can have confidence that when we pray that you will hear, that we can have uh, absolute assurance that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you will not abandon us, that you hear our prayers, that we can lay our anxieties before you. Thank you for all of that. And thank you, Jesus, that You came into this life. You left heaven coming here that we might know uh, the peace of eternal life. And so if you're here today and you don't know that peace and God has been speaking to you through his word and you would just want to say right now, God, I know that 
what you're saying is true, and I know that I need to repent, and so I repent before you, God. I ask that you would forgive my sin. I ask, Jesus, that you would come into my life and you would become Lord and Savior of my life. I don't even know all that that means, but I do know that I should do that. I ask this day, God, that today would be my day of salvation. And for that, I will give you glory and honor. And Father, we pray that for those people in particular, that you would bring others alongside to strengthen and to encourage them and to be a blessing. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to come to you and to be in relationship. Jesus, we pray it with faith and hope and confidence that you hear us. Amen.